I am super excited to welcome our latest podcast guest, Jin Lally. Hello, Jin. Hello, Paul. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having me along. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. I'm, I'm excited. I've been talking to lots of people about this podcast and I'm excited around your approach and the dialogue we've had. Um, but before we get in and how that differs from the approach I've seen up to now in and around the mental health space, but we'll get into that in a second. If you could, just for the audience, if you could give us a, a general introduction, a bit of background and how you ended up here in this space. Yep. So I'm a psychotherapist, which just means I talk for therapy. It's a talking therapy. That's all it means. It's a big, complicated word. And I specialize in anxiety, stress, uh, which very closely related to depression, fears and phobias as well. So I work online over Zoom, but I'm based in Edinburgh. And I work solely online over Zoom and I just love it. The reason I do what I do now is I used to be an optician Bear with me here, Paul. There's a, it's Where's a curve. the link? Where's it's the link? Curve. There's a link. There's a link. It's tenuous, but it's there. Um, so I used to see um, when you go to the opticians, um, we look inside the back of your eyes and often we can pick up things like high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, heart disease. Um, and I just used to love chatting to people as well. And you'd hear people's stories. And when I used to look at the back of someone's eye and say, well, I think you need your blood pressure checked you know, this, this, you know, your blood vessels, they used to look quite wiggly. If they're very wiggly, you, you send people off for a blood pressure check. And they used to say, oh, well, you know, I've had quite a lot of stress recently. So I'm not surprised my blood pressure actually might be high. What you're saying doesn't surprise me. And so, you know, they would go off and, and type two diabetes follows on from high blood pressure and heart disease. So I used to think, well, you know, now it's starting to affect your general health. But the actual reason I, I do what I do is because I used to see, it, not because of those people, I used to see people who are very well, people in their 70s, 80s, who had also had a long story of stress. Because we've all had stress, right? All of us. We've all had something Absolutely. going on. Yep. No one's living in a fairy tale here right now. Um, but there's these people, Paul, aren't they amazing? They can cope. Yes. They've got resilience. Yes. Right? Who are these people? We need to bottle what they've got. <laughs> that's you know, a, and that that's who I want to study. That's okay. who I study. And that's why I do what I do now. And, and again, this is why I'm excited about the podcast, because whenever we talk about mental health in society, I would say nine times out of 10, probably more, you're going to get the focus on the challenges and the issues and the diagnosis and the impact. But nobody seems to want to learn from the resilient folk around their coping mechanisms, their ability to be resilient and to prevent and mitigate those crisis situations. Um, on the, on the just deviation, because I've got to, because the optician piece, right? I, so I had a big scare when I was younger. I, gas permeable lenses when they were hard. Um, so I was, okay, sorry. Let's skip over that bit. So I, I was a young lad, 12, 13, and I forgot to take them out one night. But here's the thing. There was no impact. So I got up. I went to school. I came back and I thought, well, I can just keep them in. I don't need to take them out and clean them every day. There's no, there's no, I don't feel bad and I can still see. And my goodness. So I eventually got to an optician 
and the vessels had creep creep yeah. alert the the, the vessels, vessels had started to grow into the yes. seeing part of the eye so yeah. immediately taken off me wasn't responsible enough and we'll come on to accountability in a second but um <laughs> that was a, i've got to mention it because the optician link so mental health in general then what are you seeing out there in terms of trajectory or specific symptoms and issues that are prevalent today that perhaps weren't prevalent 5, 10, 20 years ago? Is there a trend or are we just seeing more of the same? Oh, such a good question, Paul. I think it's it's still it was as prevalent in the past. It's just that we've got the language for it now. We've got the words. So it's communication that's changed. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. We've got the words for it. We've got the language and we're talking about it more. So people had depression before. People had anxiety years ago. It's just that they didn't know how to put it into words and not communicating it, thinking, well, I must be the only person with this. You know, PTSD from World War One, World War Two. Yeah. PTSD, hugely common. And, and it wasn't talked about you think mainly because of the language or because of a mix of language and potential stigma out there as well? Stigma and culture. And yeah, culture. We're, we're a different culture now, aren't we? Yes. And it's it's across the board now, things like diversity as well. We're you, talking about it more. We've got language for it now. And people, the more people talk about it, the better. So I've got nothing against mental health awareness days and months and yep. weeks that yep. we do. Um, but we're not talking about action. We've got a lot of awareness now. We need the next step. step. What are we going to do moving forward are, are for there, the awareness? Okay. And are there any, so that's a great step forward, right? And, and I think we're still on that journey, right? Yep. I, I, I think more and more people are gradually becoming comfortable talking about mental health. And I think the penny's dropping with the understanding that mental health, every single person has it and it can be good. It can be bad. And just because you're in either one of those states, it doesn't mean that that's not going to change. And that could change short term and it could flip or it could change long term. So you can't get comfortable wherever you are. Um, but I think absolutely people are beginning to talk about it. And that's a helpful thing because it encourages others as well. Um, so are there, are there any pockets that, that, that you're seeing specific issues in? I know you specialize in the anxiety um, space. Is that affecting a particular type of person more than than any other or, or or again does it not discriminate and it can just hit anyone at any time yeah can hit anyone at any time i think we've had a bit of a post-covid effect uh especially with young people yeah uh so uh students teenagers children the whole post-covid thing of not being able to socialize mix so a lot of social anxiety i'm seeing in that group that age group students uh graduating students you know uh, less social skills for getting a job what you know they want to now live happily ever after i've done all my hard work i've got my i've done all my exams i've done got my degree now i want to have the perfect relationship and the perfect job and the perfect house where's my prize i've yes. worked yeah, i've worked so hard where's my yeah. prize absolutely yeah. and that could be something that's been happening for years but you know you and i paul know we're old enough to know that isn't how life works <laughs> it's not but how it's about works. being resilient it is. again we're coming back to that word you know, so I, I strongly believe that it's not the events in our life that cause us stress. It's how we think about them and how we perceive them and how we're going to cope and manage with them. So that's that's critical because one of the one of the reasons for us starting the podcast was because we were really passionate about 
the lived experience of individuals and sharing that so that others could benefit and take what they wanted or what they needed from those stories. Um, and I think back to the communication piece, it's really important to do that. Um, so it's not that anxiety is across the board. You're seeing it uh, prevalent everywhere. But is, is there a, and, and I'm not a blame person at all, uh, because I don't think it's useful. But, but is there accountability to be had in the general media around how individuals are informed? So you use the great analogy of, you know, students that have done all the hard work and they put all the yards in and now all of a sudden, well, I've done that, so where's my reward? Is it, you know, the perfect relationship? Is it the best job in the world with career prospects and a ton of cash and a lovely house and et cetera, et cetera? And that often doesn't happen. You have to wait for that stuff. But we're in a society that's now, 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 right? So, and and I'm just wondering whether that's not the fault of the individual, and I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but but I don't think that story is told in the right way i think it's artificially told even through simple media like you know advertisements um but i think we could be doing more and i don't know how to suggest we address that information kind of giving culture in the in the wider media yep uh, you're talking about the instagram life you know everything that's put out there reality shows where everything's looking Absolutely. perfect and they're not they're not reality so they're called reality shows but they're not reality so you're quite right we need something we need real people out there talking about their real life everyday stuff and as you mentioned there having the car and having the job and having the house that isn't actually what brings you happiness it's not. It's really not. But but it's that's really not. And 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 again, bring coming coming back to you understood. The whole the whole mobile application is around self discovery, self awareness, and finding happiness and joy, and discovery in those things, is a journey in itself. And once you know what those things are, and those things could be people, they could be pets they could be locations they could be activities they could be the environment could be a raft of things and is likely by the way to be a raft of things and those things aren't static so again it's a life journey as you take in more information from things around you from people around you from your own life journey um that's the crucial bit but Jin, you you couldn't have hit the nail better on the head people in my experience, people aren't going through that cathartic self-discovery journey. They're looking for the quick answers. They're looking for, how do I address this void, this gap now? Maybe I'll go and get a new car. Maybe I'll find a new relationship. Maybe I'll get some new clothes. Maybe, you know, and it's too easy. It's too fixed, fixed and it doesn't last. It just doesn't last. It's, it's just not sustainable. No. So there's something called hedonistic habituation where if you feel that buying a new car will take you right up here and feeling really happy. Yep. Now, everybody knows like buying a new car, that that doesn't last too long because the car's not new after as soon as you drive it off the forecourt, is yep. it? So that your, your level comes down. Then you're looking for the next high. Yep. And you're getting 
habituated at this high level. You you want to stay at that level, but it's just not sustainable. Similar, similar trends in kind of addiction and things, right? Yes, you're always, that's exactly yeah, how addiction yeah, works. Yeah. yeah, you're looking for the next Absolutely. high, the next high. It doesn't work like it that. It doesn't work. And actually all technology is designed that way. Yes. Technology is designed in a way that you are flicking through, looking for the next dopamine hit. Yes. Right? Yep. And there's, in most things, we are a consumer. But in technology, just like addicts, you're called a user. There's a reason for that. Powerful, isn't it? Powerful. Yeah. So I, you are I, a user. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to talk then about, um, you talked about accountability. And I wanted to touch on the types. I mean, anonymously, give me the profile of the best client you could have because you know that you're going to have the biggest impact on on that client and help them kind of navigate their own journey. So talk talk about what that looks like and probably what it doesn't look like because I'm sure that you have people approaching you that are looking for help, but actually you 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 may consider referral somewhere else because you know your techniques, your approach probably aren't going to work with that person. Yeah. So talk to us about that, Jin. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite questions. Is. <laughs> so um, the perfect person that comes to me is often someone who has had anxiety for years, but will say, and will often say as well, Jin, I don't know why I'm anxious. I've got a good life. I've got a great family. I've got a good job, but I'm just anxious all the time. I am worried about things. I am not going out and socializing. I am comfort eating. I'm drinking too much and I can't, I don't know what my problem is. Yeah, I might've had some trauma in my past, but I know, I know that that happened. But like I said, a lot of people will say this because that's the anxiety response is a fear response. You're just scared of something irrationally. So a lot of people will say, I don't even know what I'm anxious about. So to see a therapist is scaring me. Because I'm like, what are we going to dig up from my past? And they don't want to go back there, right? That's the point. Exactly. And I don't want to go back there as well. So I call myself a therapist that doesn't need to hear your problems. That, I mean, that's that's significant language, isn't it? And, and yeah. you know, in, in some part of my brain, I'm, that's really refreshing. Yeah. Good. Good. But I know it doesn't make sense because we've been taught that in order to fix a problem... We have to go back and find where that problem is yep. and start digging into it, then fix it, then come out again. But you know what? Your brain's not an engine. It doesn't work like that. It's much more sophisticated. We've got to start understanding how the brain works. People have got to get this. Going back and finding the, I'm going to put it in inverted commas, root cause yep. is for me, it's just not beneficial. So you've probably heard the phrase, your mind doesn't know the difference mm -hmm. between imagination and reality. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say you've had a trauma that happened in your past. So let's say you had a very bad car accident and it happened in your past. Now, if you go to a therapist and you're going to keep talking about the accident and why did it happen? And where did it go? And what did you think was wrong with that? You're reliving it again. Right. So you've not now had that accident once. You've had it 20 times because that reliving and reliving and reliving. And now why on earth, if you've had an accident 20 times, why on earth would you get in a car? Your brain's saying, do not go anywhere near a car. Because the anxiousness is, is, is rising, right? You're fueling your own anxiety. Interesting. 
So we've got to start creating the shift of and looking at where you are now and what is it that you want. And this this is the, an example of someone I've actually had as a client that said, Jane, I need to get back in the car again. I need to drive to work every day. So we should now be focusing more on that because that's how the mind works. If you are going to keep reliving the problems of the past, it's happened and it's happened and it's happened. It's happened 20 times. And so by analyzing the problem, we're not getting anywhere. I'll give you another example. Let's say, Paul, you went to a restaurant and you're really hungry. And the waiter comes over to you and says, so, uh, sir, um, when did this hunger start? And when can you remember when you were first hungry? And what's your hunger like now? Yeah. And what do you think is the solution to this hunger? But were there other times you were hungry as well? Like, what would you do? You'd get up and walk out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You need to eat first. Now, because I'm solution focused, it doesn't mean I'm problem phobic. But what I want to do is I want you to eat your dinner first. And then you can start looking at how to prevent hunger next time. Once you feel a bit better, you've got to feel better first. So we've got to treat the problem first by not analyzing the problem, by making you feel better. And then once you've got more objective, rational brain control, you can start looking at the problem again, if that's what you wanted to do. But 99% of my clients will say, oh, it's in the past, Jen, I'm just going to forget about it. I cannot be bothered. I'm so sick to death of going over it and reliving it. Actually, I can see the good points. It also taught me a lesson. Because there's there's progress and it's tangible and they feel it, right? So so yeah. if you're, and, and that's the foothold, isn't it? If you can get a foothold, yeah. you're encouraged and motivated to continue looking forward versus yeah. looking backwards, right? Do, yes. do, you, yeah. do, you, do you cause, I imagine you going into, into kind of, uh, you know, peer, peer settings and everyone sitting back and going, oh my goodness, Jen, you can't say that. Uh, yes. Does that happen? Does that happen? All the time. <laughs> so I'm often at a networking ball and um, I'll say, you have to introduce yourself, yes. don't you? So I'm like, so I'm, I'm Jen, I'm a therapist. I don't need to hear about your problems. I believe yeah. in, it's very much important where you are now and going forward. And we'll go around the room and another therapist will say, well, I believe you need to get to the root cause. You need to get to the root cause. Okay. I'm like, that's fine because there's what do they say courses for horses or horses for courses, horses, for courses but, right but, but it is true right i i, I think you yeah. can't have a one size fits all and yeah. and it's good that people out there are trying different things and looking at things yes. differently yes so in terms of in terms of prevention then or forward looking versus rearward looking let's put it simply you you must have a myriad of bits of guidance, advice, uh, experience that you can pass on. And I know that a lot of that is baked into a recent book that you've published. Yes. Um, yes. So tell, tell us the title. Oh, there look is. at this. So look at this. this plug. Okay. So how, how to empty your stress bucket. Yes. So talk to, give, give us a summary. Give us an Amazon review of... Oh. Amazon <laughs> of review, this book. will change your life. <laughs> It's, it's a book I've started. I started writing this book as a script to my signature presentation, which is called How to Empty Your Stress Bucket. Okay. And in it, I talk about how the brain works. 
but in a very easy to understand way. So I talk about that you've got an intelligent part of your brain and you've got a caveman primitive part of your brain. And if a polar bear was to appear, you would go into fight or flight or freeze. And that's a perfectly normal response, except that response from caveman days has not evolved with us very well into modern day times. So fight or flight or freeze is now anger. So fight is anger. Flight is anxiety and freeze is depression and low mood. You're definitely educating me now, Jen. Good. Definitely educating me. <laughs> and I go more into that. The other things that happen when we see a polar bear is we're going to catastrophize because we want to think, oh, this this isn't a cuddly polar bear. I'm going to die. Guilty. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big catastrophizer. So you're in your primitive brain. It's catastrophizing. It's just trying to look after you. Yeah. Well, that's all it's trying to do. Yep. Then you're going to be obsessional. You're going to keep a check on that polar bear, aren't you? Yes. Is it there or is it gone? Absolutely. And then, then you're vigilant for more polar bears. There could be another polar bear around the corner and you're not going to be creative for solutions. You need to make a quick decision there and then. Now, all those characteristics are brilliant if you were to bump in a, into a polar bear in central Edinburgh but the likelihood of that happening now is zero. So what we've got now is we've still got that part of our brain that treats everything like a polar bear, but our polar bears are now full email inboxes. The bill's coming through the door. The kids worrying about the kids, health anxiety, you know, there's financial anxiety, what's going on with the world, environmental anxiety. We've just found different polar bears. But intelligently, we know this isn't a, a polar bear situation, but your primitive brain will kick in because it's feeling stress. Does that, does that, that's a really interesting analogy. So does that, does that problem or that challenge or the creation of polar bears that actually aren't polar bears, does that become more of an issue uh, unless you start to tackle it or, or yes. it does? Okay. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got so, to catch it, right? Yeah, this is what piles into your stress bucket. Got it. So when I was saying it's not the events in your life, it's your thoughts. So the more it's a vicious circle, the more you think negatively, you're going to fill up your stress bucket. The more that's in your bucket fuels this primitive brain. So what we've got is we've got this, this primitive brain in us that is kind of like old hardware that we've had for millennia, but it's never had an upgrade what we've got instead is we've got the prefrontal cortex, the intelligent brain has come forward. So when we see those evolutionary pictures, haven't yep. we, the yep. human being's head has come forward, yep. forehead. That's the intelligent brain. That's a whole no load of new software we've gl glommed on to the old hardware. Now you're talking my language, Jin. Now you're talking yep. my language. Let's get techie. <laughs> and so the dialogue between these two parts of the brain is now what's causing the problem. Your primitive brain's thinking polar bear alert. Yep. But your new software, the intelligent brain, is saying, no, it's not a polar bear. It's a stressful situation, but it's not a polar bear level of threat. Come on, calm down. And that's what I get people to focus on. And that's a training opportunity, I guess, right? In, in yeah. effect, you're just tra you're yeah. just training the brain. That's to exactly what I okay, do. Yeah. Okay. I and, train the brain. And, and, yeah. and do you, do, um, so deviation again, but, but outside of the sessions that you have one-to-one -one or with, with organizations, do you specifically do training or, or is it more around kind of workshops and one-to-one and -one sessions that you focus your skills on? Yeah. I love my one-to-one -one work yeah. because that's where I can get really specific. Yeah. I do workshops and talks for organizations. Okay. 
as well. And it opens up the discussion again. We're going back to what we talked about earlier. We, we open up the discussion because I use language that includes stress bucket, polar bear, caveman brain. You know, if we talk about fight or flight or freeze, that's easier to talk about than anger, anxiety and depression, yes. yep. isn't it? Yep. But it's the same thing. Yeah, and, 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 and encouraging that conversation, having acknowledgement around the emotions that are in an organization and that are prevalent and that may not actually be anything to do with the organization, but, you know, employees are bringing yes. that stuff into the organization. If those emotions are prevalent, they're going to be appearing in the way people talk and collaborate with each other, work together, talk to suppliers, external, internal stakeholders, talk to customers. Yeah. So understanding what those emotions are is, is absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, and, and again, encouraging the communication and collaboration is, is, is critical too. But I wonder where, whether you see in those sessions the penny dropping. And yes. do, you, do you actually see that happen when somebody goes, yeah. hold on, that's me. That's yes, me. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Just because of the way I describe it. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping that language simple. I'm trying to actually bring a bit of humor into it sometimes <laughs> as well. Come on. You careful. Know, careful. It's a serious subject. Yeah. We've got, we've got, if we can bring that in, we're going to start talking about it. But I loved what you said there. With, you've got to bring your whole self to work. Yes. Like employers and leaders need to remember this. Do you want the whole person to come to work? Of course you do. Yeah. You're going to get maximum productivity, maximum performance out of this person. Yeah, absolutely. But then the responsibility, the accountability, where does that lie? Does it lie with the individual? Does it lie with the company? Does it lie with a the therapist? You know, I think it is a bit of a collaboration uh, as well. But we've got to start getting honest with ourselves. So you're quite right. If there's a problem going on at home, yep. it will affect your work. Yep. But some work cannot do too much about it. They might be able to say, well, you know, we can let you go 15 minutes early if that helps you. We can let you have an hour off to see a therapist if that helps you. Yep. You know, they might be able to do something there. But then the responsibility does lie with you as a person. And that's why I don't think I would ever give up my one-to-one work because that's having seen that change in people so rewarding i bet it's rewarding and something that's missing in what i would call kind of standard traditional commercial life right and and um you know part, part of the reason i i i, I sit on a, a a charity board uh because that feeling of making an impact making a difference is um is second to none right it's second yeah. to none and i think there's an important part you you talked about there which was you know, once the penny drops and the conversation starts, really, that's the beginning of of the process, right? That's the beginning of the process. Yeah. Um, but that's the opportunity for everyone, because before yes. that opportunity didn't exist, right? So, yeah. so, so really strong. So we're we're gonna we're gonna give um, a few copies of the book away, um, yes. autographed by your good self, uh, for those who <laughs> sign up and 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 feel that they can benefit the most from it. So thank you very much for that gesture, lovely, lovely gesture. Um, I wanted to just touch on a couple of additional things before we wrap up. So um, I wanted to come back on your uh, comments around polar bears and specifically kind of emails becoming polar bears, right? But it's not just emails, is it? It's the 
constant alerts and the constant notifications from social media, from everything yeah. that's out there. Yeah. And it's, you know, I get stressed by it, right? And, and, and I'm kind of aware of it, but I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people that just don't really think about it and accept that situation as normal. So digital health, talk about your opinion on the benefits of digital health versus the the downside and the negatives of digital health as you've seen it in your clients and as you viewed it in the greater greater societal uh, challenges well advantages first there's a community to talk about mental health there's these podcasts that you can listen to to help yourself with mental health there's apps to help you with that as well so that's that's the plus side but what we're not doing is not allowing our mind to switch back or our brain to switch back to something called the default mode network. Now, the next time you go in a coffee shop, Paul, I want you to look around. While you're waiting in the queue, even while you're waiting in the queue, how many people are scrolling through their phone? Lots. We do not allow ourselves to get bored anymore. We don't. It's really important to get bored. Paul, that's really that's the creative time, isn't it? Checking. That's yeah, the creative yeah. time, right? Your brain is switching. It's not people think they're switching off when they do that. Oh no, because we're so used to having this external stimulus. You yeah. use the right word. Yeah. We feel stimulated by those things and we're we're conditioned to look for the next dopamine kick as we scroll through our Instagram posts or whatever it is, or we should be checking this and we should be checking that. And we should be doing three things at the same time. You know, so we're, we're trying to answer an email and we're scrolling social media and we're trying to watch a film as well. You're not doing that. You're not multitasking. What you're doing is you're firing different neurons in your brain and it's getting a very mixed message. The minute you stop and daydream or get bored, your mind switches over to something called the default mode network where different parts of your brain that have not been probably activated for a long time because they're so used to stimulus are now starting to fire up. And these are our creative centers. These are our problem solving centers. What we're doing is we're looking back in our life and trying to combine these disparate problems that we've got and we're trying to come up with a solution subconsciously. Mm -hmm. It's something to do with our subconscious. We still don't know everything about it. And the, the perfect example of that is, I'm sure people have had this, I get this all the time. You're sitting at your desk with a problem and you're trying to brainstorm. Maybe you've got a team together to brainstorm and you're thinking, okay, so we've done something. But you get up and you go over, you go for a little walk at lunchtime, hopefully without your headphones and you just daydream and you come back and all of a sudden the solution to that problem pops up. Yeah. Well, people talk about being in the shower as well. Same same kind of thing, right? Similar. Exactly the same, yeah. yeah. That's when your best ideas come to you. So you're not switching off, you're switching over to something called the default mode network. And we've got to do that more. So that is why we should be putting down our phones. So next time you're in a coffee shop queue, do not look at your phone. Can we, can we agree on this podcast that we're going to have joint IP on yep. the slogan, get bored? Get yes. bored, <laughs> yes. right? Oh, is I that is that you. fair? Right, let's Second let's do bid. that. I'll let's do that. that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. As we wrap up, I want to I want to just squeeze a couple of additional things in. So, when you're in the mental health world uh, and ecosystem, it tends to be this bucket that's very specific, and 
I'm mindful all the time that we aren't just a manifestation of our mental health. We're not just a manifestation of our physical health, which, by the way, is up and down very much like the mental health journey. So just um, a couple of comments on how important it is to include physical health when we're having mental health conversations. So in your view, is it important? You know, is it critical? Or actually, if we just focus on the mental health, then the physical health follows behind. It's paramount, Paul, paramount. If we go back through evolution, when we used to live in our tribe properly, and we did our hunting and gathering properly, and we looked after each other properly, we felt good. And when we felt good, we wanted to do more of those things. Yep. And we know now from science, that wasn't a magical mystery feeling, that feel good feeling. It was a flow of neurotransmitters, hormones, everything was flowing in as biologically really well. The main one I talk about is serotonin. Okay. So your serotonin flows when we do those things like our ancestors did. Yep. Now, we, we can't go out and club a woolly mammoth over the head now. <laughs> so what we do now is we do something called, I call it the three Ps. Okay. So we need to do positive activity. We need to have positive interactions and we need to do some positive thinking. And if we do those three Ps and if we do them regularly and consistently, we're going to get our serotonin flowing, which means we're going to want to do more of them. So positive activity was the first one you saw there. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean hitting the gym. If you don't like the gym, that's not your positive activity. The example I always use is, you know, everyone's everyone's running, Paul. So I've got a best friend. She loves running. And she's always like, come on, Jane, come on a run with me. You'll get the runners high. I'm like, please, no, do not drag me on a run. I am happy in the yoga studio. Thank you very much. Oh, very nice. So that's my positive activity. Got it. So it's got to be positive for you. For you, yeah. And then the positive interactions, because we're a community, mm -hmm. we've got to feel connected. So the other thing we need to get rid of is, you know, the self-service checkouts? Yes. Get rid of them. Because they don't encourage the interaction, right? No. Those micro interactions we can have every day yeah. are brilliant. And they top us up, and I guess, right? Top us up. Yeah. And they're actually probably feeding social anxiety. Wow. Because we've now got ways to do things where we don't have to interact with anyone. We can now sit in our homes, <clears throat> excuse me, from an app, we can order food mm -hmm. delivered to our door. We're not doing any hunting and gathering now, are we? You know, the, the word convenience is often used in many scenarios. And when you actually drill down on it, is it really convenient? Right, convenient in, in the wider sense. Long term, long term it's, inconvenience. It's probably very inconvenient longer term. Um, goodness me. Okay. So, yeah, so positive activity, positive interactions. Positive what interaction. was the last one? Positive thinking. Positive now, thinking. I don't, okay. I don't use that phrase flippantly. I actually, I don't really quite like it very much. Positive thinking. You know, people who are depressed, they know they have to think positive. Yeah. It's not as easy as flicking a switch at the back of your head to do that. Yeah. But the easiest way to do that, and it's how all my sessions begin, actually, because remember, I'm a therapist that doesn't need to hear your problems. I would say to you, hi, Paul, lovely to see you. Tell me what's been good about your week this week. What's been good? So that immediately you're, you're getting yeah. that person to think and latch on to yes. positive thoughts, right? Yes. And, that, and get into your intelligent part of your brain. That's the brain training. Is, is there and something... What else has been good? Oh, that's brilliant. And is there something there in terms of... 
what what am I thinking now? I'm, t- I'm thinking about kind of gratitude and 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 yeah. you know mantras and things like that. So yes. a bit a bit yeah. maybe a bit cheesy, um, yes. but but that way of thinking in terms of I might have had a really rubbish day, but mm-hmm. actually I'm grateful for this. Right, that yeah. that's something positive to think about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Lovely. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up on the last thing. There's clearly a significant challenge out there for a lot of people. I think the the latest numbers are what one in four. I think that that are unable to manage the ups and downs of life, and they need help from somewhere. And that help may come in what I call soft form. So it might be going out for a coffee with a friend and having a bit of cake and just a chat. Like you said, those little tiny interactions, micro interactions. I love that. Um, but it could be all the way through to, to booking appointment with Eugene or to something, you know, more significant where there has to be an intervention. But I, I don't see the prevalence, the breadth and the availability of those services, whether it's clinical or more soft services, really changing in a way that matches the demand, if that's the right word, but hopefully you understand what, what I mean. So then, then it's about how do we continue to empower? And I think you've actually, to be fair, I think you've answered that question um, already uh, around you know the accountability, the empowerment, and those three Ps. Um, but you know it's not going to change is it it doesn't look as if it's going to change and if it does change it's not changing in a meaningful way so it's really important that we take control as individuals and as communities and as a society and take control of what we can control right so just to finish on that and not to be uh, too negative but i just i just want people to cling on to something if they're in a tough if they're in a tough space, right? And it's little victories, it's little wins that really give the foothold. So just to finish off on that would be great. The thing with mental health is you've got to be consistent. Don't. It's not like taking a tablet that for a, an aspirin for your headache that you're immediately going to notice a difference. You have to make small, and the steps don't have to be big. The reason we don't want to change is because we look at the big change. Small steps, a 10-minute walk every day will make a difference putting in your diary that every Friday afternoon you're going to meet your best friend for a coffee or you're going to invite them round. But be consistent and don't look for an immediate effect. The other thing I'd really like to say, though, is to therapists and people, educators in the mental health space, stop making therapy a mystery and get the content out there. Start educating people. Start informing people, hints, tips, anything you can do, workshops, classes, if that's what you want to do. Get it out there. People still have got this mysterious thing around therapy. You know what? It's talking therapy, but we're talking in a way that helps you train your brain. Whether you want to get to the root cause or not, I'm not denying that there's some people where that is useful. There is a place for that. I don't do it because that's what I believe, which means that I might not be the therapist for you. Yep. I totally take that on board. Hands up. I might not be right fit for you. But the more therapists and educators that are out there informing, the more, and informing with real tangible, useful hints, tips, ideas, that's great. And from the other side, from the, the consumer side, yep. you take those tips on board and you do them. You have to do them because no one's here to save you. 
you've got to do it yourself. That might sound harsh, but honestly, with mental health, it's only you that can do something about it. And you can. I absolutely believe we've all got the ability to do it. It's just something needs to change. And it's just reading that one sentence in one book. It's hearing that one podcast episode. It's just, you know, seeing something on an app, something on social media that will create a change immediately. And the consistency. Keep at it. Start yeah, small, keep but, at it. But, but keep at it. Yeah. What a small wonderful, what a wonderful positive note to end on and a lovely call to action for those involved in educating as well. I can't thank you enough. Thank you again for the gesture. If you want a signed copy of Jin's book, lots of useful advice and great tips in there, get in touch. We've only got a few copies, but if you if you feel like you can benefit, please get in touch. Jin, can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. I loved, I love the authenticity and the transparency of the conversation. And um, yeah, just really appreciate you spending the time. I know people are going to benefit from it. So have a wonderful rest of the day. Angie, thank you so much, Paul. And remember, what's been good about your week? Love Always it. start a conversation with that. What's been good today? Love it. Thanks, Jen. Cheers. Thank you.